0: I got called to jury duty this coming week. I don't have to go in tomorrow. I'm scheduled to go in to Tuesday. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I can tell them so I don't have to go. I, I, I heard. <laughs> what? Don't, don't tell me that y'all haven't done it. Y'all have done it. I'm just trying to think of how I, you know, how not to lie. Cause I'm about to preach the word to y'all today. So... <laughs>
1: Say I just plumbed and lost
0: my mind. I can't serve. <laughs> well, it is good to see to see you today. Many I have not seen in a while, some I haven't seen since last Sunday. Some I have not seen since last year. <laughs> but it is good to see you. Today I have a message that's that's the same, but yet yet it's coming from a different passage today one that we don't normally you don't normally hear read during uh, Easter Sunday but I'm going to be preaching from that passage today um, Sherry we heard about your husband Dane, that God has done a work to deal with the cancer you came a few weeks ago and we prayed and I know that um really concerned but we heard some good news from Nancy thank God let's give the Lord a hand for for that. Amen. Thank you so much. But it's always good to see my old neighbors in the house, the Smith family, and oftentimes give recognition. Y'all, now, y'all know that Sandra's a principal at, at Redwood, so if y'all get out of line, so... <laughs> and if y'all need something built, if y'all need some engineering work, you got the son... Chuck's on right behind her, Derek, <laughs> the engineer. <laughs> I think you have something to do with the Rocky Grand Park, didn't you, Derek? Yeah, all right. So, yes, yeah, so I want to thank God for that. Would you stand with me, please? Today, Lord, we are grateful to you for your wonderful kindness and your wonderful love. And we do thank you for being with us today. Blessing us and for the devotion, we're grateful that we can play instruments in church. It's not a sin. We can worship you in song, celebration, praise. We thank you that yes, you are a God that enjoys joyful praise. We thank you now for this day where our Savior rose from the dead. We honor the resurrection. We thank you for dying for our sins. We could never pay the price ourselves, and yet you died for us, not because of anything good that we've done, but because you loved us before the foundations of this world. May we always remember we cannot merit your salvation. We can't work for it. We can't earn it. It is a gift. We give Him all the glory in Jesus' name. Man, how many witnesses do you need before you believe? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you do have your Bibles, turn with me. If you do not have it, we're going to have it on the board for you can follow along. If you have a Bible on your phone, um, you can go to your settings and and click on uh, PICF free. You can get Wi-Fi. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Uh, 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 and verse 12. And this is how it reads. I'll be reading from the ESV. On the board will also be the version that I'm using, the English English Standard Version. This is how it reads. Now I would remind you, brothers of the Gospel... I preached to you. If you can't find it, you can just look right up on the board. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. For our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep.
1: Then he appeared to James.
0: Then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am, actually I'm going to go to verse 12, that's 9. Verse 12, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How many witnesses do you need before you believe? That's my title. How many witnesses do you need before you believe? One credible witness can be sufficient to sentence a person to jail. One credible witness. Two credible witnesses can be enough to sentence a man to death. What causes one person to accept what they have heard and what has been spoken by credible witness. What causes that one person to believe? And what causes one to reject the very same information given in the same way? Well, if you do not make room in your heart, in your life, for that which is true and that which is the truth and transforming, you will be stuck trying to fit truth into your world view shaped by your own flawed reasoning. Do you not know that we will determine what we believe based on how we feel? Many people don't accept truth as truth. The fact of the matter, truth really means that which is reality. That which is real. But we sometimes want to Fit truth around our understanding. And if we don't have room for it, we will kick it out. Some of us don't want to hear truth. I didn't want to hear truth when I was a certain weight. I just didn't want to hear it. I needed to go walk. I got, I tell you, about uh, six years ago, I got so sick. In fact, I was fine. I've told you this before. I was fine. When I was working on, on a proposal, when that proposal got done, I got sick. And I'm thinking, well, I normally bounce right back from sickness. So I was telling myself, it's only going to be a short time. And I can still go to work. I got myself up one morning, getting ready for work, and it just took me a long time to get ready because I was just drained. But I told myself I was okay I was feeling well enough to go. Walked down the stairs, and I told myself, you know, I'm just going to sit on the couch briefly before going to work. I sat on the couch the rest of the day, sleeping, and couldn't hardly move. And a week passed, and couldn't go. Two weeks passed, and I'm starting to get a little concerned right now because I should be better. Three weeks passed, still sick, and now I got vertigo. Tried to go to the office, couldn't make it in. One Saturday I said, I'm tired of being in this house. I feel better today. Got myself ready and went on a walk. Didn't tell my wife I was leaving, just left and went on this walk, long walk. Lord have mercy. On the other side of town and figured, how am I gonna get home? I feel terrible. Didn't tell my wife I was leaving, my head spinning, don't know how it's hot out here. Lord Jesus, how am I going to get home? Finally made it home, exhausted, supposed to be preaching the next day. Sat on the couch and didn't move the rest of the day. Slept there late into the night. Told my wife, I want to know why. Why did you do that? What was wrong? I told myself I was feeling better. Lying to myself because I felt I could do it. What causes us to not be truthful? Because it doesn't often fit into what we feel. Truth is truth. Our society places more value on the senses and their own personal experience than the word of God. Do you not know that God's word has never been proven false? And, and even when they take those passages that seem to contradict themselves, they come to discover there's no contradiction it's oftentimes given from a different perspective and given from a different writer's point of view. When one writer may focus on one particular area, another writer may not. Our society often wants to be tickled, want their ears to be tickled, but they don't often want truth. It was Paul in this gospel, in this letter here to the Corinthians who, who had established this church in the in his second missionary journey. He, he wrote this book in maybe around 55 AD, 53 to 55 AD. And, and, he, and it's believed that he wrote three letters, but one of the letters was lost. The letter may be right before 1 Corinthians. And Paul wrote this letter too. This church the first six chapters primarily dealing with the issues that had been brought to him from Chloe who was a believer about the problems that had come up in the church. And then you have in verses in chapter 7 through 16 questions that the church raised to Paul. So you have this division of chapters 1 through 6 where Paul is addressing the concerns, and then in chapter 7 through 16, you'll see that he's addressing the questions that they have. The Corinthian people were a very gifted church. Corinth being so gifted, yet they were so also morally corrupt. They lived in the flesh. They lived according to the flesh. But yet this church, the, the people there had been, transformed because Paul came to the town and gave them a message. Now that he's left, trouble came up. When my dad was living and would go out of town, you could count on something happening in the church, something wrong, something coming up. When the pastor's away, the mice will play. <laughs> well, the same thing occurred when Paul's away. Problems arose. And he has to deal with it, which he is dealing with in chapter 1. Point number 1, as I've already kind of dealt with part of the point, is that is, the Scriptures must be your source of truth. The Scriptures must be your source of truth. Before Paul even mentions... The eyewitnesses that he mentions a little bit later, before he even mentions the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after the resurrection, he first focuses on the word that he preached to the Corinthians. Do you not know it's the word of God that changes lives? It is not your experience. It is not the things that you might see. It's the word of God that changes lives. Your experience may actually aid and help you and lead you in the right direction by the grace of God. But do you not know that just seeing or feeling is not going to give you lasting change? So Paul starts with what he had already told them. Look at what it says in verse number 1. Now I would remind you, anytime you've been reminded, it means that you have received something before. He had preached to them. He had brought them, he had led them to the Lord, talked to them about the gospel and the word of God, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received. Now they were abandoning the faith, leaving. I tell you, I used to get saved every Sunday when I was a kid. I I, I kept coming to the altar. Why? Because I'm going to do what I wanted to do during the week. Now I'm in church. Oh, God forgive me, until Monday came, maybe Sunday afternoon. Always getting, but then came one day I finally said, Lord, I'm tired. I wasn't a kid that got into a lot of trouble. Told you trouble that y'all didn't know just didn't do my stuff around town. Out of town. So you didn't hear my name surfacing, but you might go to some other places. But no, no, no. We 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 try to hide things, but 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 it was Paul who talked to the Corinthians and told them that they needed to remember what? He had told them. He says, I will remind you, brothers, of a gospel that I preached to you. Do you not know that the word of God has been preached since the beginning of time and the Lord uses the same method of teaching and preaching his word to change the hearts and lives of people. The word of God doesn't change and yet it's the most up-to-date book you could ever find. Hmm. If they're going to be reminded, they have to have heard it before. Now they need to recall what it is that they have heard, and they need to accept it. Good intentions may have paved a path for you, but good intentions will never lead you to that which is right. It will lead you off a cliff. Go ahead and feel good if you want. Go jump and run off a cliff if you want. Go around the mountain, 100 miles an hour. You might lose control. Your feelings does not determine God's word if it's true or not. Good intentions is not what God looks for. He looks for one who is obeying his word. As I said, truth is reality. It was the good news that Paul gave to this group that was now being forsaken for their own personal values. What was the good news? One was that Paul taught them that Christ died for their sins, what, in accordance with the scriptures. Look at how Paul constantly brings them back to the Scripture. Christ died. The second thing he said to them is that he was buried. Anything that's dead needs to be buried. We had a bird. My brother had a bird named Earl. Earl didn't get much sunshine. Sunlight. He didn't get, we didn't have, we had our room pretty dark. The bird rarely got out into, took him outside. Never, just in that dark room. I think Earl committed suicide. We found him. With his head in the water. I think Earl says, I am done. I am out of here. Drowned himself. That's my belief. (laughs) We didn't keep him in that cage. Earl was buried. When we bury something, it means that the life has left. It reminds us that we are not staying here. Paul says that Christ died and was buried. He reminded them of this. The third thing that he says, but that he rose from the dead on the third day, again he says, in accordance again to the scriptures. Look at how Paul keeps coming back to the word of God. The word, the word. His focus is on the scriptures. It's a scary thing when people want the church to preach a word that tries to accommodate their feelings. Do you not know that people go to church because they just want to feel good? Oftentimes. And there are some people says, only tell me what I want to hear. But the word of God tells us what we want to hear, but it tells us also what we don't want to hear. It tells us what we need. You, you see, the Honda dealership in Petaluma, the number one dealership in all of California, in regards to their mechanics, they can be number one because they have what the best mechanics who have decided to really hone their skills, and, and they decided that it's the Honda book that they need to make sure that they're following and not Mitsubishi. Not, not Jaguar. Or Jaguar. <laughs> it's not the Cadillac or the left. They, 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 they focus on that which is a Honda. And when there are updates and upgrades, they go to Stockton to the facility and they get whatever new training that they need and take it back. What I mean they're number one? They have the fewest recalls in all of California. How do I know that? Because they're a mechanic that's there. The head one is my mechanic's son, told me, and, and, and this this youngster, he's the youngest mechanic that's a supervisor for Honda in the state of California, number one. They have honed their skills. So what have they done? They've gone to the book and have studied and have trained. He's trained them what they need to do. Oh, they have recalls when something goes wrong. But it's important to note that they stay with their manual. When people want the church to change manuals, that's a problem. When they want us to preach from a different book or Current events, well, we can bring up, but that that's not the book that we primarily use for preaching. It's the word of God. And so people can get upset and angry and leave the church because they were talking about me. No, it's the word of God that brings conviction. I've been called sometimes, Pastor, how did you know that you were talking about me? I wasn't at your house last night. I was out of no party line. Y'all remember the old party lines back in the day? Pick up the phone and call somebody. Two or three people on the line. Well, if you accept the word, the Lord as Savior, you won't be stuck. You 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 can accept the word and whatever God says, you can allow it to change you. But when you try to change the word of God because of how you feel, you're gonna always. Have a problem. So Paul tells them what he told them before. It was according to the scriptures. Let me get to point number two. More than enough witnesses. In 15, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, 5 through 8 and verse 12 is where I will take this next portion. Paul tells the Corinthians that while they seem to have forgotten what he had told them and needs to address their wavering spirit and their wavering life, even now and after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, he continues in giving supportive and supporting evidence. Do you not know that if a person does not believe something, it really doesn't make a difference how much evidence you show them? There are times when people say, I won't believe the evidence. You can tell them, but it's, it's right here. I don't care. It doesn't fit. Paul gave the Corinthians now let's, let's briefly go through this. He, he tells them that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, appeared to Cephas. Who was Cephas? Cephas was Peter. Simon Peter, is another name for Peter. Why would it be important for him to note this? Well, one is that Peter was an apostle. He was one of the twelve disciples of Christ, and, and Peter was one of the ones who said, if all of the others, Lord, leave you and forsake you and abandon you and deny you, I'll never do it. Lord says, Peter, yes, you are. You're going to leave me. You're going to deny me, just like all the rest. And they all say, oh, no, we're not, Lord. We're not gonna. We're not going to deny you. You remember the fires that just happened? Up in the North Bay in Santa Rosa, we were like on alert in Rona Park. One of my friends that lived in one of the canyons there in Rona Park told me that some of her neighbors had been there for a long time, uh, said to her, we're not going to leave. We're going to stay right here. And lo and behold, an alert came. And she said, some of them same numbers are flying past her trying to get out of there. There are things that can happen that will change your mind. It was Jesus who appeared to Peter. Why Peter? Because Peter, having denied him, broke down and cried. He was sorry that he denied Christ. And he needed to be encouraged. You know when you've really blown it, you've royally blown it, you need to have a person come to comfort you, to say, it's all right. That's not the end. You, you, you can make it better. You can try it again. Peter needed to be, he needed to be encouraged. So he appeared to Peter. Not only did he appear to Peter, Paul says, the Bible says then he appeared to the twelve. He specifically mentions the twelve. Why, why would that be? If, if Judas has already died, why would Paul say the twelve? It would now be eleven, wouldn't it? Well, the disciples always had others around them. And when Judas was replaced, it was by the name of the person Matthias. It is quite possible that Matthias was, was with them by this time and may have been a part of even though it's reported in the book of Acts. The fact of the matter is just that it was the way of just saying he's one of the twelve, or Matthias may have been there. So when he says the twelve, that was their name, but he specifically is referring to the twelve disciples Or the eleven that walked with him that was part of the inner group. He's making that distinction. Peter and then also the twelve. Then he continues on. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time. Five hundred brothers at one time. Notice, if you will, you have never heard in scripture evidence supporting that 500, more than 500 brethren saw him. You've never heard a refutation of this passage where they said, Oh, no, you haven't. Because Paul says some of them are still alive now. And if you don't believe me, you can go ask them. If one or two witnesses is enough to convict a person or set a person free, how in the world would you handle 500 plus witnesses in addition to the 12? We've got five hundred. What is this? At one time, if you were to go to court and your lawyer says, "I have five hundred witnesses," you probably say, "Case closed. I'm, I'm, I'm my, I, I am done. My case is closed. I got five hundred witnesses." Some of you be trying to get one. Can you be my witness? I wasn't there. No. But but five hundred. Then the Bible says that he also appeared to James. What James? This is not James the disciple. This is James the half-brother of Jesus. You see, James had already been killed. He had already been uh, taken off the scene. But, But now why would it mention James, the brother of Jesus? You see, Jesus was not accepted by his family while he walked on the earth, his brothers and sisters. They didn't accept him. They didn't believe in him. So to mention James, his half-brother, who didn't believe, would be a tremendous testimony that he appeared to James. James is is the one who actually started the church in Jerusalem. He became a believer. What is it that we need? How many witnesses would be enough for you to change your mind? What evidence and what proof if a person says, why haven't you changed? What evidence and what would you say? Why haven't you accepted the Lord as Savior? Most people, rather than going to the scriptures, will say, because I feel they will give it from their perspective. But if you start away or outside of the word of God, you already have a flawed testimony. I can say I believe because the Bible says so. And the Bible has not been proven wrong. It's God's word. I believe because I have based my life on it. Yes, yes. Pastor Small, if you were to change right now, if something was to happen to make you believe, to say that this was not true, what, what would you do? I don't, I, I don't see anything to prove that that's the case. I've got too much evidence in my life to show that God's word is true. Amen. The fact that he said it and God cannot lie. Well, when I look at what God has made, I was just talking to my wife yesterday about some organism that scientists have just found that bring this message to a conclusion. The awesomeness of God, that this world didn't just appear on its own, that deep in the sea they found this organism, the scientists, that just like we breathe in, take in oxygen, and this this organism takes in old, rusty, metallic, and those things that are made of metals. They breathe it in, and when they exhale, they return it to its original form. Just read this. I'm saying, what? And read it again. There are some organisms in the sea, they've just discovered, that can take material that has been changed, that is right now of no value. They inhale that in, but when they exhale, when they exhale it, comes out in its original form. So they did an experiment. They took some gold and rusted gold and tried to test. And lo and behold that when they breathe out it returned to its original form. Even though it was small amounts, it was pure gold. Now don't y'all go trying to dive into the sea. <laughs> trying to get some gold. But what it told me is the awesomeness of God. That there are things that we don't even see, can't even fathom, what God has done in creating this world. Do you not know only earth has in our solar system, it's the only planet that they can show that can sustain life. Nothing else that they found, and yet we're only a speck here. And God can see it all. The Lord has created this world. When we think about his awesomeness and what he's done. I've got the evidence just of the fact of what he's made to see and look at God's glory to know that he's there. Even if I didn't have the word of God, the Bible said you can just look at creation and see there's a God. Now we have God's word to say how we can have a relationship with him. The fact that he died for my sins. The fact that he rose on Easter. The fact of the matter that the group in the the Corinthian people were denied beginning to to leave the faith and Paul had to remind them and then gave them uh, convincing proofs. And then in verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? When the courts want to deal with evidence from years before, they will exhume a body from the grave. There's information they can glean. The only problem here is that they haven't found the body of Jesus. He can't be exhumed because he said that he was going to rise from the dead on the third day.
1: And and, and that
0: has been proven true, the fact that they can, oh, they look for Jesus. They look for him. They pay the soldiers a lot of money to lie. Because if you lost a prisoner, it meant death. None of them died. And yet they told a lie. Uh, the, The disciples came and stole the body. Nah nah nah. The Bible says that he rose from the dead. That's what Easter's all about. It's the fact that the Lord paid for your sin by dying. But in order that you might have a, a right to the tree of life. He became the first fruits. He's the first one to die, to rise from the dead. Never again to die. He has his glorified body. One day for those who believe and trust in the Lord will have a glorified body. This body is going to the grave but it will stand before God in the judgment. And the Lord will change your body if, you, if those who have trusted him and believe in him in the twinkling of an eye Oh, one day, oh, one day, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to being with him. Not right now, not today. I don't want to go yet. But one day I'm going to be with him. Why? Because I've accepted the word of God, what he's done for me. And you too, if you have not accepted him, it's free of charge. Everybody can afford it. Stand with me to your feet. What's the evidence? How? How? How long, how long would you wait? How many witnesses do you need before accepting the fact that he gave himself? I want to encourage you today to look at the evidence and wherever the evidence leads to make your decision based on that. Let the evidence lead you. That which is true. It was Paul who said that he's risen. He's risen, and it's the word of God that he has given to us. Today, Lord, there are people in this place that we know have not said yes to you. Today, we are praying that they will say yes. Let me say this as I continue to pray, that if you were to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, I accept you as my Savior. I may not understand it all, but I want to be with you throughout all eternity. Accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. That's all. And began to live for Him. You are saved. Not based on how you feel, based on His word. The fact that He said it is finished. That's it. We pray that Lord people will say yes. They'll be able to recognize. That there are things that we may never fully grasp until you come back. But this thing we know is that you died, you were buried, and you rose from the dead. Not because of your sins, but because our sins. Our sins is what caused you to come and to die on the cross. To pay a price. For us, where we should have been. But you did it for us. You rose with all power. And now today you sit at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for us. And we thank you for that right now. So Lord, today we accept the finished work of Christ. Acknowledge that there is nothing that we can bring ourselves. You said it was finished. And for that, we're grateful. We're praying that people will say yes to the will of God. We give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great Easter. May the Lord bless you.